My name's Kelly Ochoa. I'm part of the preaching team here at the Vineyard, and it's my privilege to spend uh, some time with you this morning. Um, I'd like to open with a quick uh, word of prayer. So if you just bow your head and pray with me. Lord, we invite you into this moment. God, we invite you to have your way. Open our ears and our minds and our hearts. Lord, speak through me and in spite of me, Father. Have your way in Jesus' name. So this is, this is an exciting time this morning uh, to wrap this series up because I feel like uh, God wants us he wants to pour out his love on us. He wants to pour out his goodness on us. And sometimes that's easy for us to accept, and sometimes it's not. So I want to lead with the scripture. You've uh, heard Kurt preaching on this over the last few weeks, but we start with, 23rd, with the 23rd Psalm, verse 6. Surely, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This verse is so rich with promise. It, it leads with the word surely, which bodes affirmation. It leads with an affirmative, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. We hear that God is good. We hear that God bestows goodness upon us, that he loves us for all time. Not just, I mean, all time is all time. All the time is all the time. Not just when we're good enough or when we are accomplishing our goals or when someone else thinks we're good enough or we're checking things off on our list. No, God loves us all the time. And if you're a person that's more, this morning that's still doubting God's love and goodness for you, I invite you just to hang in there and let's work through this together. It's important to note that David uh, wrote this psalm, and um, he knew a little something about being a shepherd. That's because he was a shepherd. Interestingly, though, he wrote this from the perspective of the sheep. He didn't write this psalm from the perspective of, of the shepherd. He wrote it from the perspective of the sheep. So this is just how my brain works. I started looking up sheep. And so... I thought it would be interesting uh, to kind of kick this off, learning and talking about characteristics of sheep. When I think of sheep, I think of these soft, cuddly, cute animals. Some of the best baby nursery designs I've ever seen in my life were little sheep. They were cute. Um, but there are some important things we can learn about the life of a sheep, especially as we live into this metaphor of Jesus as our shepherd and we the people, his sheep. So first of all, their wool grows forever. I mean, unlike those of us who are aging and our hair's falling out, <laughs> sheep don't have that problem. Their wool grows forever. Um, one thing I read was that one pound of wool can make up 10 miles of yarn. A sheep can produce between two and 30 pounds of wool a year, depending on the breed. The wool does need to be regularly sheared. If not sheared, you can imagine it becomes very heavy. It weights, weighs the sheep down. Sometimes it gets matted, stuff gets stuck. They can get infections on their skin, like all kinds of craziness happens when these sheep's, sheep are weighed down by the wool. 
um, up to and including um, suffocation and death. So it's really, really important that they're sheared. They also have amazing peripheral vision. Just to give you some context, it's estimated that their field of vision is between 270 and 320 degrees, right? They have rectangular pupils that allow them to see that far around. I mean, this is a good thing when you're a prey animal, right? You have to be able to see when you're in harm's way. They can also hear very well. This particular thing caught my interest because I don't know if you ever watch cartoons, but sheep have the ability to hold, turn one ear, which I was really impressed with. They can turn one ear to hone into sound. Again, if you're a prey animal, prey animal, you need to be able to hear what's coming and hone in on the sound. They tend to listen to and show esteem for their shepherd. Just hold on to that for a minute. They tend to listen to and show esteem for their shepherd. They actually can't live. The chances of them living, surviving without a shepherd are pretty small. They require constant care and watching over. They have to be moved from place to place to green pastures and still water. They need shade. They need rest. They need protection. They actually cannot live, or they certainly cannot live well, without their shepherd. So now that we've learned a little bit about sheep, let's turn our attention to Psalm 100.3. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of the pasture. I mentioned earlier that sheep esteem their shepherd. They begin with the acknowledgement. They don't question his role in their life. They accept the role that the shepherd plays in their life. They acknowledge that, Lord, that the Lord is God. The scripture urges us to do this. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. God is the name above all names. God is the name above all names. So we need to acknowledge that the Lord is God. And I say we because I'm talking to me too. If being one that is loved and cared for by Jesus sets us up for a good life, this is what the Word tells us. We have example over example over example. If being one that is loved and cared for by Jesus, the ultimate shepherd, then why is it so hard to sometimes acknowledge that the Lord is God? I would submit that there's many things. There's a lot of distractions in our world. There's a lot of busyness. There's being tired, overworked. There's being overconfident in the way we're handling things. Maybe, maybe you've been a person who has dealt with so much heartache, it's hard to really believe that acknowledging that the Lord is God is really going to make a difference in your day to day. Maybe the constant messaging of the world and YouTube, and the internet, and billboards, which are aging out, are louder than the whisper of the Spirit in our ears, and in our hearts, and on our lives. I submit that we live in a culture of self-reliance and instant gratification. 
Humility is often replaced by hubris. I heard someone say that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Right? It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's honing that ear. It's turning that eye toward the acknowledgement that the Lord is God. How many of you in this room have ever Googled symptoms on the internet to diagnose yourself? Come on, be honest. Be honest. Why do we do that? Because it's instant and it's fast and we're pretty confident that whatever is on the internet is true. We believe it. So that's it. I must have like, I don't know, a brain tumor or something. No, I just really have a headache, you know. But, but we do that because that, that information is there. It's quick. It's fast. It's accessible. And while the access to this instant information and answers and intel can be helpful, as you well know, it can also steer us in the wrong direction or in the case of diagnosing yourself, scare you half to death. Neither of which is good. Neither of which produces peace. Neither of which calms us and allows us to lean in to what God has for us. In this instant society, I like to call it, our ability to wait well is threatened. We're not going to wait until we go to the physician next week. We're going to Google it today, right? We're going to start self-treating today because we don't want to wait until next week. <clears throat> You're probably thinking, what in the world does this have to do with sheep at this point? I do want to make one point, and that is, is that they do not need Wi-Fi. Sheep don't need Wi-Fi. They trust their shepherd, and they follow his lead, not that of society or the Internet or whatever else is coming their way. This psalm, again, is a beautiful, beautiful metaphor that helps us see that God is faithful. He's faithful. And he's kind. And he loves us. And he's worthy of our trust. We sang about him being worthy of it all. He is worthy of our trust. Waiting on something when you trust someone is a little bit easier than waiting on something when you don't trust a person, right? If you have someone that's been reliable in your life and they tell you they're coming over Friday at 6, you trust that there's a good chance they'll be there Friday at 6. The opposite is also true. It's hard to wait um, when you don't have that trust. And when we are in charge of our own ship, at least when I'm in charge of my own ship, I like predictability. I like to know what's coming, when, what time. I want to be prepared for it, right? I'm conditioned to plan in my job. Everything's about a plan, being ready, being ready, being ready. I'm actually the world's worst at handling, handing problems over to God for solving or handling and then taking them right back. Lord, if you would just take this, I'm going to give this to you. And then five minutes later, I'm like, give me that back, you know? And there's two words that I use a lot. In fact, people tease me about it. And the words are right now, 
right now. At work, if we're in a crisis, I say, I'm going to call that fourth floor right now. They all tease me about that. If we need an ambulance, I'm like, I'm going to go call that ambulance service right now. So they tease me about my right now. But what about when God is handling something in a different way or at a different pace? What if the answer is no? Sometimes the answer is no. And it's still for our good. But I think I, I, I kind of stink in that space too. I find myself saying, Lord, if you would just do this. If you would open that door and close that door and put them over there and do all this over there, everything would work out great. That's pretty, that's pretty arrogant. Can you relate or am I the only one? <laughs> am I the only one trying to boss the God of the universe around? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, you know, I've really, really, really struggled from time to time in my career because I want to go this way and he constantly sends me that way, or I want to go this way and he constantly sends me this way. I have to just share a quick story with you. Um, if you know me, you probably know where I work. I will say it's a major healthcare system here in Houston, and it's not that hard to figure out if you go to my Facebook page, but that company will remain unnamed at this point. Um, a few years ago, I was down in the Texas Medical Center, and uh, there was some changeover in a position. There were about six, I had about six colleagues in the same role, Role we were all directors over perioperative services, that's all things surgery before, during, and after. And um, the administrative director who was over those six directors were leaving the company. Um, I tenderly say she was having her future freed up. Um, and so there was an opportunity to apply for that job. And I reported to the COO of the company at the time, and he, he came to me and said, Kel, you shouldn't apply for that job. And I'm like, well, why not? All my numbers are in line. My people are happy. The metrics are green. That's what we shoot for. Everything's color-coded. They're all green. I, I don't understand. And he said, well, the CEO said you're too nice. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm too nice. You're too nice. She doesn't think you can handle this job. I said, okay, well, if nice is the thing, then I won't do it. So I have to tell you, in that space, I felt pretty down and frustrated, and it was really hard for me to trust the Lord, my shepherd, to lead me beside still water, to refresh my soul, to take me to a place where he was going to use me in a different way. I mean, after all, I had worked for it. What was the problem, right? So fast forward a couple of years, by the way, living in the medical center and trying to raise small children and get home in the middle of the day for award programs and Thanksgiving lunches is a nightmare. That alone is a nightmare. Got a man in the back of the room back there. He's, he's understanding. So fast forward a couple of years, I moved to a community setting. And in that setting, in a very, I, I took a, a lateral, it was a lateral move. I moved out to the community in a lateral job, and, and someone actually, well, I shouldn't share that publicly, but there were some tough things said to me in, in that big house about moving to the community. But I really felt like that's what God was calling me to do, so I did. And within two years of being out in the community in a lateral role, I was promoted to an executive Within a few years, I was given two hospitals. 
And so God had a plan for me that I could not see when he said no to that other job, right? He had a plan for me. I didn't have the vis visual reach, right? I just didn't have it to see that he was pulling things together for my good. And I, I really spent a lot of time um, frustrated and angry and frankly questioning him. I've done everything right. Why would you do this? Why would you do this? Why would you do this? And then when you get to that next level, it's like, oh, so that I can go see my kids in the middle of the day. Oh, because there's other people you want me to influence for the kingdom. There's another way you plan to use me. Oh, I get it now. While we're symbolized in Scripture as the sheep, you see from the example I just shared that there are some profound differences between us and them. Sheep are not antsy. They graze and they rest. When it comes time to move, they move. They follow the lead of the shepherd. Of course, they have many practical needs. Green pasture, shade, fresh water, rest. They need to be sheared. But they need nothing more than a devoted shepherd to help them along the way. Water alone, green pasture alone, will not fulfill the needs of their lives. They need their shepherd. And we have practical needs too, just like sheep, right? Food, water, rest, things that maintain our physical health. And then I would submit that we have a lot of wants we like to add on that, right? Um, of course, we need to be loved and understood and we want to belong. But we also want to be successful and skinny and handsome. I mean, who doesn't want, to, who doesn't want that? Right? Come on. We want it. And here's the one other thing I would submit, is that we want it now. I want to be skinny now. I want to be cute now. Right? We want it now. But here's what I want to say to us. Indeed, indeed, we have many needs, but none greater than that of our shepherd. Amen? None greater than that of our shepherd. So you're following this analogy, but I still want to lean into the role that a shepherd plays in the life of his sheep. Their number one business is that of saving. The number one objective of a shepherd is to save his sheep. The safety and protection of the flock is the number one priority. He feeds them. He moves them along to green pastures and freshwater streams. He shares them when the weight of their wool is too much. He rescues them if they wander. He even performs minor medical care to help them. He treats them accordingly to their needs. He treats them tenderly according to their needs. Because according to their ability to follow and take their place in his flock, maybe their needs are different. Maybe someone has more wool than the other, more burdens than the other. Maybe those burdens swap from one to the other from time to time. Just, just as that sheep's wool grows continuously, so should our spiritual lives. That's an active process. God designed sheep for their wool to grow. He designed us to grow too. But he does want us to take our rightful place in that relationship and work at it. He'll close the gap. 
He'll do the hard part. It's not about where we start or how we do that. God will make up the slack. That's, that's the God we serve. But he does want us to grow spiritually. We learned today that God has enhanced the sheep's vision greatly as a protective mechanism. May we pray for spiritual eyes to see the things that prey upon us. P-R-E-Y. May we pray for spiritual eyes to see the things that prey upon us. That may be something different for everyone. What can prey on me is busyness. That's what can prey upon me. That's what can steal my joy. That, can, that is what can misdirect, keeping my eyes on my shepherd. And that may be different for everybody. I said earlier, we may not have the rectangular pupils like sheep, but we definitely have access to the abiding presence of our shepherd. He wants to help us along the way. I mentioned the exceptional hearing. May we have listening ears. May we lean in that we might hear. There's a great promise found to us in the book of John. My sheep hear my voice. I'm like, Lord, let me be like those sheep, right? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I know them. He knows you, and he wants to know you. He knows me, and he wants to know me. And he loves us where we are, but he is not going to leave us there. He wants to journey with us, right? He won't love us any less. He loves us where we are, but he wants to journey with us. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. What incredible reassurance. What incredible reassurance. You cannot be snatched from your shepherd's hand. That gives me great hope and encouragement. One thing I didn't mention earlier is that when a sheep goes down, if they land on their back, they can't get up. They can't get up off their back. They actually need help to stand back up. And I want to share quickly with you a very personal story. Um, my son has a bleeding disorder. You guys have heard me talk about that before. And I don't remember the years. He was probably somewhere between 7 and 10. I can't remember. I mean, I don't remember that detail, but I remember this one that I'm about to share. And I needed to get Factor, which is a very, very expensive medication. The box of Factor that they were going to ship to my house, it was a box about so big, it was $28,000. The minivan I was driving at the time was $22,000, to give you perspective. Okay? But before they would ship that, I had to pay the deductible. And the deductible on that was several thousand dollars. We didn't have the money to pay that deductible at that time. And so um, my friend, Joy, came over. And we sat in my kitchen table. And I also want to tell you this. I lived in an old house. But there were big windows. And it was huge green pasture, like an acre worth of land outside those windows. So this story as I'm looking at and thinking about God leading us to along the journey I thought of that house and that pasture and this prayer 
And so we sat at that kitchen table one day and I was shaken to my core. This kid was bleeding. I needed medicine. I didn't have the money to get that medicine. And I called this, this, this medication um, is only available in a few pharmacies around the country. And my insurance at the time would not allow me to go to the pharmacy here in Houston. There's a great hemophilia pharmacy in here in Houston, but I couldn't go to that one at the time. And so I was on the phone with a lady in uh, Ohio, and I was trying to negotiate that deductible. I'm like, you know, I, I just don't have that kind of money. I can't do this. Could I get on a payment plan? And she said to me, I'll never forget this. She said, ma'am, do you not know this is life-saving medication for your child? I said, I do know that. I'm painfully aware of that. I still need a payment plan. They wouldn't do it. And so fast forward the day we were sitting there at that table praying and just asking the Lord to move. Um, literally prayed for a very long time, just leaned in to the Lord as our shepherd and that, you know, that his goodness and mercy would be following me all the days of my life. And when we said amen, there was a knock on the front door. And we lived in an old ranch-style house, and so no one ever came to my front door unless it was people that didn't know we always come through the side door. So I was like, that's weird. Let me go see who's at the front door. No one ever comes to my front door. So I went to the front door, and it was two ladies from my church. And I was like, hi. They said, um, we brought you money to pay that deductible. You may be down... You may be on your back. You may be out. You may not be able to see ahead or the road forward or the path forward. But being a part of a flock, a community of believers, gives us additional ways to tap into the love and peace and promise of God. I want to encourage you with the psalm. I find that when I'm hurting or unsure or uncertain, the best place to run is back to God's word and his promises. Psalm 62.1 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. I did not know where that money was coming from. I love my child. I felt like a failure as a mother, as a caregiver, as a wife. I, I felt terrible in that time, but my soul found rest in God through the help of a friend who was willing to come sit at the table beside me and pray and invite the Holy Spirit into the work and place of our lives to make a difference. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I will never be shaken. That does not mean we're not subject to the hard stuff in life. That's just not what that means. But, but what it does mean and what it has meant for me is that our hope is in the one who died to save us, Jesus. It does not end here. This is not it. Just like those sheep on a mountainside, we journey and we come into contact with tough things, right? 
there are things that prey upon us in this world. There, there's tough hurdles that we have to get over. We are subject to the conditions of living on earth. But we have the privilege and the promise of our shepherd who loves us. He will lead us to safety, shield us, protect us, guide us. He'll deal with us tenderly. He'll shear us from time to time because we need that. Nobody ever really signs up for that, right? But we need it. He'll feed us through his word if we're willing to dig into it. He's on standby always to rescue us. I pray today that you're encouraged. I pray that your hope is ignited. I pray that you can lean into and trust God's promises to us. I want to just put that scripture up one last time. I'm going to invite you to read this with me as we get ready to close out. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen and amen. At this time, if we have um, prayer partners available to pray, I'd like to invite you guys forward. There may not have been anything in this that resonated with you, but maybe there was. Maybe there was something small. Maybe you want to lean into God's promises. Maybe you want to hear the Lord's word for your life. Maybe you want spiritual eyes to see that God is good. Maybe you need healing or something completely unrelated to this scripture. Maybe you just want to trust, trust that God's promises are for you. Sometimes that's hard, especially when we're hurting or dealing with hard things. But God is good all the time. And all the time God is good. Even in the darkness, he sheds light. He brings light to darkness. And so um, we'll, we'll have a prayer to close out this morning. And then if you need prayer for anything, please come and, and get access. Come get access this morning. Have these folks pray over you. Lord, we thank you so much that you love us the way you do. Your love, Lord, is unlike any other. We thank you that you give us lessons and teaching and metaphors in your word to help us understand how we can interact with you and not have to fly solo in this crazy world. Lord, we thank you that you guide us, you protect us, you shield us, you lead us. Even when we can't see, you move us along from pasture to pasture for our good. Lord, we give you thanks and praise. And as we go away from, from church this morning and head out into the week, help us to remember that you are there and that you long for that relationship with us and that you are near. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.